Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to sit and gather and talk again. And never forget this. ABC News sat on and just absolutely buried the Jeffrey Epstein story. Let's not forget this. The media is tiptoeing into coverage around this. And never forget this, that the media is not telling us about the very existence of a $32 billion slavery, sex trafficking, human trafficking operation and industry. Now, why would that be? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is, in fact, the day the Lord has made, and these are... The times through which God has decided we shall live. It's, you know, we did a podcast earlier today that uh, was full of hope. I'm still hopeful. I still say this is the very perfect time in which to live. Times such as these, because God has presented binary decisions and easy choices. And so many people are going to come to the Lord in this period of time. But obviously it's not a time without its, uh, without its unbelievable evil. And if you've been around, uh, as, as I have, girls who've been damaged, and well, kids, but mostly girls who've been damaged by the porn industry or who've been damaged by the sex traffic industry, which, by the way, are one and the same. They're, they're not separate industries. I mean, they're the same industries, and they, they, they revolve around the same human sin and the same flesh-focused um, you know, obsession, or I guess it's not obsession. It's, it's how we're wired. It's we're, we're sinful beings. And so we know where we're getting redemption. But if you've been around kids that have been damaged from this, it's lifelong. And there's therapeutic interventions and people can recapture their lives and, and are no longer victims. And people rise above that and conquer that and don't see themselves as victims anymore. But it never changes the fact that it happens to you. And this is something that you went through. And I I think most disturbingly for a lot of the kids that I've met, it's that people knew. And that that kids are sometimes just, well, why didn't you tell? Well, well, I, I I was embarrassed. I was sick with embarrassment. I was being turned out. I was practicing these sex acts with older men. And I didn't want my family to know that. Why didn't you go to the cops? Because my family's gonna know. Because they told me they've got pictures and we've got this all on video. We'll tell your friends. We'll put it up on Instagram. And so I hid it. You know, kids, kids hide all sorts of things. Adults hide things. I mean, people don't go around. Well, there are circles in which people go around bragging about their adultery. No, like the entertainment industry. Where that stuff is bare naked for everybody to see. And frankly, in Washington, D.C., there's a separate set of morals, which is, you know, it's it's there's the D.C. morals and then there's the world's morals. There's Hollywood's and then there's the world's. And then there are just there's actual morals. So people who get caught up in these circles, I think one of the things that happens around the Ghislaine Maxwell stuff. Is, first of all, sin is super attractive. You know, because it's a quick hit. It's, 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 Satan understands biology. He understands our physiology. He knows, hey, that's dopamine and this is another hormone. And, and if I can get people just jazzing on this, then that puts, that, that puts this obsession between them and God. And that's what he wants. But the players in this, the, the, the top level people like Epstein, he got that. He understood what he was doing. So I've been researching the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, trying to see what the coverage is. And to be frank with you, there's some really good surprises in terms of the coverage, but not in terms of the industry, because there is a massive industry that benefits from when everything is allowed, nothing is forbidden, that benefits from this pipeline that has become massive. This influx of, of these just pure fleshly purient desires and the explosion of porn 
is part of that. And the explosion of porn feeds the entertainment industry. There is so much money behind that. It's not just, I, I don't like saying their name because they are pure evil, but Pornhub. And I am fully aware that there are people who listen to this program who watch porn. But in fact, you know, I was at a, <laughs> I was at a hotel once um, and we were, it was, that, that sounded terrible. I was in a hotel giving a speech and I made some reference to the fact that people who produce pornography understand streaming video and technology better than a lot of the people in mainstream. And this guy asked me, Chris, he goes, how do you know? Well, because I had a friend at Microsoft who sold tech to the porn industry. He actually got a special waiver so he could watch the stuff at his office so he could see how they were using the tech. Microsoft got in that business. They, they, my friend had to go meet with these folks. And I made this remark and people said, oh, sure, that's how you know. Okay, funny, funny. And then someone on the panel said, yeah, no one here watches porn, right? And a bunch of shy male faces in the room, a couple hundred people. And the guy said, I think that the numbers in the hotel's billing system would disagree with you. I think someone did. And it was a brave thing the guy said to call this out. So I don't like to talk about Pornhub when I say their name. But they are a pipeline feeder to these behaviors. They're an appetite creator. They're, a, they're, they're an Amazon. In my judgment, my judgment, my opinion, Pornhub is the Amazon of watching people be sex trafficked. They are fully aware. They've been made, according to court documents and people I've interviewed, more than once, they've been made fully aware you are running a video of a teenage girl being raped. And when that got into the news, men searched to watch that video. Use, when the, the, the girl's actual name came out, men searched for that. The psychology behind this stuff is so utterly, utterly predictable. It's drugs and sex. It's the same thing. Just as you build up a tolerance to drugs, you need more and more cocaine. People need more and more sex and more and more bizarre styles of sex. That's not reported on. And these appetites of guys like Epstein, and this came out in the trial, that apparently he needed to have sex three times a day. And apparently he had a button he could press and dispatch a woman. Does that sound like Les Moonves from what we've heard about him, the CEO of CBS News? Or the boss of CBS News? Those are some of the reports about Les Moonves, women next door. Utter sin problem, and people knew. And don't think for a second, people didn't know about Epstein. And this goes back to the, the girls I've met who've been damaged by this stuff. One of the prime sources of damage is people knew. No one did anything. No one stepped up to help me, and people knew. There were people, there were, there were people in hotels who saw that were going on, or there were butlers who knew they saw what Jeff Epstein was doing and they didn't say anything. No one called the cops. And here I was, this young girl. And then there's three people, three, uh, three women who've testified. And some of these women are, are, are public with who they are. At least one of them is. Other ones are, are choosing to stay cloaked and that's their decision. Now to the trial and the way this is being covered... Then I want to get into this industry and this feeding of this industry. Then I have a challenge for all of us, particularly men, because porn is a male problem. And it's a consumption side problem. And I'll be candid with you. I made the decision 20 years ago never to watch it again, ever. And it's one of the greatest decisions I've ever made. And you want to help me make the decision? Realizing that I could be watching a girl being raped. That If that doesn't stop you from watching it, then please get help. You, you don't have Jeff Epstein's money, probably. But some of those appetites are there. And, and, it's, and it's a sin problem, and we all have sin problems. So that's not, I'm not, that's not a judgmental statement. That's a statement of get right with that. Please get right with that. And by the way, this isn't a left-right thing. 
Now, it is to a degree in that the left is pushing sexualization of children. So it is to that degree. Well, and they're also, you know, pushing the the uh, confusing kids about their gender. So that's that's and and they are, in fact, fans of the porn industry and they, they do get most of the money from. Oh, wait, it is a left thing. They benefit from it. Good thing we've got solid. Rock ribbed. Republicans to stand and say, hey, okay, freedom of speech. Okay, consenting adults committing uh, prostitution on camera. Okay. But you are selling videos of children getting raped. That's not okay. We want all of that data from Pornhub. That's weird. I haven't seen that. So to the trial, I said there was some good news on the coverage. There is in The Guardian. This is a whole, boy, is this a difficult piece to read. It's called A a Cocktail Party from Hell in Court with Ghislaine Maxwell, the Society Princess. John Sweeney, he goes into some really disgusting details about some of the girls. The girls at the time, they're women now. And what stands out is all the stories are the same. The grooming process is consistent. Maxwell's behaviors are consistent. They built a business around this. 14-year-old girl gets 300 bucks every time she goes over to the house and lets Jeffrey Epstein defile her with himself or sometimes, according to her, with Maxwell involved or other people involved. 14, a little girl. 300 bucks. She got 600 bucks when she recruited a friend. A friend. The stories are very similar. The same techniques of grooming, the same sorts of girls. To the point of uh, Ghislaine Maxwell saying things like, you've got a great body for Jeff. And make sure when you go over, give Jeff everything he wants because he gets everything he wants. It goes into details of what he did to the girls and the ways in which he defiled them and the ways in which he defiled himself. And and I don't want to get into that. But it's a piece you can read called The Guardian. It's in The Guardian, a cocktail party from hell. And it's, man, it's rough reading. Now, some of the other coverage that is actually, I mean, it's good to see some of the other coverage. Albeit a lot of it is foreign. The best coverage of this seems to be coming from the foreign press. This is uh, Kasha Gada. I think I said her name right. Kasha Gada, CEO of Recastled. Um, she was on Sky News talking about Ghislaine Maxwell, the trial, what she saw there. I hate to say it, but uh, if I had to bet on it right now, I would not be betting on it. And it's betting on what? No, oh, it's funny. You ask betting on what? No, no, you did ask, right? Yeah, um, she was asked, so the black book. With all the details, all the men's names, that we're, we're going to get that, right? BBC host, Australia asked her, we're gonna, what are the chances we're going to see that? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me. Uh, I hate to say it, but uh, if I had to bet on it right now, I would not be betting on it. And it's, you know, it's American identities, it's international identities. They're very, very, very prominent, powerful people have been named as being involved in some way with Epstein and, and Maxwell. You know, some of the names have leaked, but this whole thing, you know, starting with uh, the legal reasons, since this is being tried in federal court, there's a, a law or rule that cameras are banned. So we, we don't see anything that's happening. Um, and uh, the, the witnesses are all testifying under pseudonyms. So we really have very limited information. And then layer on top of that, the media coverage has been really, really, really sparse, which is another thing that a lot of people are frustrated with because it suggests that there's sort of, you know, the system is arraying against uh, that type of information becoming public. So we'll see. But I think uh, all the forces are sort of aligning in a way that I- I'm not sure that we're going to get full transparency of that. But all right. uh, we'll see what happens. CNN, CNN sent a camera person to the house of a lady who shared a meme on Facebook that they say was created by Russians. 
They went to her home. The media went to Wasilla, Alaska and dug through garbage cans. The media used thousands, it seems, of unnamed Trump. What would it be? A staffer of a separate agency who has a friend who works somewhere near the White House overheard a third party say to a fourth party on a fifth occasion that President Trump urinated on a bed in Russia. I'm Grim Milestone. You think they can't find this out? I was in Boston at a Microsoft event. They had two female friends. And they were both young and they were both very attractive. And at that point, neither of them were married. I was. And am. And we were going from the little party to a client dinner. No, it wasn't a little party. It was actually a big, big party. And we were going to a client dinner. And so I was the senior person there. I was to pay for dinner. And one of the, the young women, Carrie, asked me to come up to the hotel room while they got their stuff together. And so I just, I went in. And all we, we talked, we, we were friends, purely friends. So in their hotel room, she, she mentioned the Microsoft executive, really well-known guy. She said, did you see what he was doing? I said, no, I, I wasn't watching. She said, oh, he's so putting it out there. I said, what does that mean? What, what, what does putting it out there mean? I legitimately didn't know. She goes, oh, come on. You don't know about him? I said, no, I really don't. She goes, oh, everybody knows about him. Oh, yeah. He, he's the guy who takes um, the young interns up in helicopters and does helicopters of tours of New York. And then he has a place here he bought. And, and then they, he takes him over there. And, and then that's, that goes usually for about three days. And then he never talks to him again. Now, those are adults. The young women are adults. And all I, I, I was, I apparently was the guy who didn't know because I asked later, hey, did you hear about this guy? Oh, yeah, it's total sleazebag. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does that at his house, too. He does what? Does his wife know? Oh, yeah, yeah, she knows. Yeah, but the money. The money. You think that the media can't track down who's in the black book? I can tell you they can because they know the people. And they play guilt by association all the time. And they go and mention that this is in a federal courthouse and so it's not filmed. Did you see a fight to get it filmed? Did you see any party saying, no, the American people need to see this. The, the people of the world need to see this. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see a big fight. They're saying it's a federal law. Now you can call in and listen to the trial. You can do that at least. But lurking in the background of all of this is why? Why the obstinate lack of curiosity? Why is that? That seems odd when you have big names caught in big scandals. Doesn't that sort of drive media coverage? Big name, big scandal. Used to be you're caught in bed with a with a living young girl or a no, what was it? A living young boy or a dead young girl. So in looking further into the coverage of this, there's local news. And again, there is some decent coverage. Even USA Today wrote a piece. They really did about the trial. They are covering it, but they nibble at the edges. They're covering it, so, in my judgment, so they can say we've covered it. But this same media that went to Newt Gingrich's mom, or, or, or yeah, it was Gingrich's mom. Do you believe everything Newt says? Do you like what Newt says? The same media that asked to call my mom. I'm a nobody. 
This was back when I was doing my, my tech company spin spotter. I was in the, I was in an NPR studio in Seattle and she did this interview. I could tell right away. She's trying to set me up and wants to talk about, Oh, I'm a rabid conservative. So I hate the media. And then I was able to say, yeah, that's why the guy I hired to be my CEO is a liberal. That's why. Cause we are actually finding facts. I was so completely compared for that. And then we ended um, the recording and she said, would you mind if I called your mom? My mom, what are you talking about? Well, you mentioned in the interview, your mom's a Democrat. Would you mind if I called her? I said, nobody cares about what my mom thinks. Oh, I think it would be a fascinating human angle. I said, yeah, fine. She's an adult. Call her, track her down. I'm not going to give you a number, but I guarantee she's not going to talk to you. They're willing to dig into that about me. But they don't even want to scratch the surface of, of Epstein's black book, which continues to be mentioned. Now, of course, this is a big story in New York. Erica Byfield with NBC News Local in New York. The jurors that he worked for Jeffrey Epstein for 12 years. He said in the house, he noticed this, that Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell kept these little black books full of numbers, addresses, and names of very important people. He also said this, that Maxwell made it very clear to him that she was second in command. From the day she came to the house and took over, she told me that she was the lady of the house. That's how a man who worked for Ghislaine Maxwell described her, saying that the British socialite would be extremely demanding, telling him she wanted Jeffrey Epstein's six-bedroom, ten-bathroom home in Palm Beach, Florida, to operate like a five-star hotel. On the fourth day of Maxwell's trial, he told the jury that she ran a tight ship, created a 50-plus page manual of checklists. One entry read, remember that you see nothing, hear nothing, say nothing, except to answer a question directed at you. Also, never look Epstein in the eyes. That was the environment the prosecutors say that Maxwell and Epstein created as they preyed on kids. As they preyed on kids. Now, incidentally, I have another friend in tech who used to work, uh, who cut a deal with the Oprah organization. There's also a rule that you're not to look Oprah in the eye. And he had that explained to him as, look, People come here, they're excited to see her, they catch her eye, she feels like she needs to stop and talk to them and 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 be gracious and, and it just interrupts the business day because if she did that with everybody, she'd never get to a meeting. Okay, ish. But in the house, the butler, don't look the great man in the eye. Everybody knew. The butler said or the, the service people, I don't know if it's, butler's a specific word. He said the girls never complained to him. He wishes they had. He wishes they had. So he could have done something. You see, this power and this wealth and this inevitability that we talk about a lot. It sucks people into this, this fear chain. And furthermore, if you think about that black book and you go back to where we began this discussion, which is different sets of morals, where nothing is forbidden, everything is allowed. I never forget this is, I mean, to, to quote Shakespeare and the Bible, as old as the sun. You know, when Moses went up and received the Ten Commandments, the, the Jewish people were missing him. Oh, he's gone. Moses has left us. Let's make a calf and then let's have orgies. Because that was the, the, the subtext of all that is, hey, now our God is a golden calf we made. That means that we can party like we did in Egypt. And that's what that meant. Old as human behavior. And so God came along and said, hey, there's some order these are not good things. They're not good for you physically. They're not good for you mentally. They're certainly not good for you spiritually. I know because I designed you, plus I'm the boss. I heard a uh, discussion with a young woman because it was in a therapy group. And she talked about her experience being trafficked. She, she made unbelievably bad decision as a, I believe she was 13 and she ran away from home and she was blonde and blue eyed, very pretty, incidentally, insanely smart. 
she got herself into a gang house because they had the drugs. And then for six to eight weeks, she doesn't know how long specifically. She was driven state to state. And what so disturbed her is 50% of the time, people knew. The hotel clerks knew. She could tell. They were looking at her, cast their eyes down. Oh, gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And what I think has happened at that level is people don't want to be embarrassed. Well, what if it's not happening? Let the police figure it out. Now, that doesn't always happen. It it, it occurs to me that we were in Las Vegas. I took my daughter to a hotel in Las Vegas. And this is during this time we were going through this adolescent, you know, mental health care journey. Those desk clerks checked me out. They were brilliant, utterly brilliant. One of the guys separated me. I have some questions for you. I just need to double check your address. I saw the other desk clerk go and talk to my daughter, peel her off from me. And I could hear through my right ear. Hey, so, you know, what do you think of Las Vegas? And I bet you're taking some pictures with your phone. Do you have your own phone? Oh yeah, this is my own phone. Oh, what do you hope to see here? And and, um, you, you know, is, is it a special day for your dad? Is it your dad's birthday or something? So the guy is checking. He asked all these smart questions. And this guy was just engaging me in business. So we went upstairs, checked in, you know, ordered some food, turned on a movie. I went downstairs and I thanked those guys. I saw what you did. I saw what you did for my daughter. I want to thank you. Let me shake your hand. I am so thankful for what you did. Checking up on the kids. And I said, you know what? People never thank us for this. I said, well, guys, number one, it was slick. Number two, God bless you for doing this. To the people in the media, you think that it's a great big secret why you might not want to really dig too far into that black book? Do you think it's really, really hard to figure out multi-layer chess? Seven-layer chess played on a golf course, Herman. You can't figure us out. We're legions of smart. Really? And one of the things you can do for us that we would truly appreciate is share the podcast with friends. This sort of format, I don't think the Lords have allowed this to be done on commercial radio. There's a reason we took it to podcast. I don't think, I, I said when I left commercial radio, I, I said, I don't know if a format like this can make it in commercial radio, where we are, we are just absolutely winding everything around the word of God, which is the only word that matters. And talking this length of time about a topic like this, look, I did, I did AM uh, talk radio at a very high level for a long time. We switched topics every seven to eight minutes because people were always tuning in. We kept the formatics. So this experiment, if it's working for you, will you please just tell friends, just recruit friends, send them to the ToddHermanShow.com. Now we've got Spotify. Now we've got Google. We've got Apple on the way. I've got huge news on that front. Huge news. God is good. God gets the credit for this. So will you please do that? That's the biggest thing you can do to help this grow. If you had a risk... As a reporter. Now, just imagine this circumstance, because we know ABC News had the Jeff Epstein story. Right. So they had the story. They sat on it. Why? Do you think they might have been a little bit afraid who's going to come out during the story? Do you think they might have been a little bit afraid about whose name is in the black book? If you're a reporter and you get the Epstein black book and you start going through the black book, you know what? There's not a person in that black book who somehow doesn't know your board of directors or your CEO or your CMO or your VP sales or your VP programming. That's the cloistered up little incestuous circle of the Acela Corridor. Everybody in there knows everybody. The first person to talk is the only winner. Everyone else gets folded. Everyone else gets taken down. It's a good thing that you can't have conspiracies. Because everybody would talk. Because you can't keep secrets at that level. This was a pyramid scheme. 
The real pyramid scheme, that's Epstein paying the girls to so he could defile them and rape them. Here's 300 bucks for letting me rape you. Now, if you bring if you bring a friend in and let me rape your friend, uh, I'll give you 600 bucks. Then you just keep doing that. And at the top of that pyramid was Ghislaine Maxwell. Who lost her rich father when she was young and her rich father was found out to be a scam artist. And so she was left without money, without socialite status. And then she got into uh, Epstein's world and she got all that back. Man, now she's a socialite. She gets to give speeches at the UN and TED talks about how much she loves the ocean. Human trafficking generates about $32 billion per year annually. This is from 2013, by the way, the latest report I can find. International Labor Organizations, a report by the International Labor Organizations. Traffickers. Unscrupulous employees. A trafficker can make between $4,000 and $5,000 per trafficked person. And think of this, and this is so shocking. When people understand this, it is less risky to traffic in people than to traffic in drugs. It's also more profitable. You can only sell a drug once. Remember that old saying? I love the old redneck saying. Remember, Todd, you don't drink beer, you rent it. Got it. Thanks. That's funny. I've never heard that before. That's like calling. That's okay. So it's the same thing with drugs. You don't buy drugs, you rent drugs. A sex trafficked person, the trafficker gets to sell for $90 per slave. This is a global average of 2013. You think it's gone up? $90 per slave per time. Per time. Epstein was paying a premium. 300 bucks to rape girls. So they can do that on a day in, day out basis. They've done a lot of research on this. There was a uh, the, there's some numbers that take that, that that go into sex trafficking, large scale sex trafficking. There's a case of two Uzbek University of Texas researchers who generated four hundred thousand dollars from girls in just eighteen months. How many girls? Two. Two girls, four hundred thousand dollars in eighteen months. So the little black book of Jeff Epstein sits on the on the very edge of this. But we're not going to get to hear the names. The same media that went to Wasilla to dig through the trash, the same media who dispatched reporters to knock on doors in rural America. Hi, I'm Mark uh, Johnson with CNN. You clicked on a meme on Facebook. It was made by the Russians. Are you a Russian plant? Yeah, I'm sorry, baby. You're who with what? I'm Mark Johnson with CNN of New York. Very important. CNN. Is that that fake news? Well, we don't call it that. Same CNN. Oh, but and, and they, they, cha- they, do you remember that they took after meme makers? They used digital trickery. Forensic digital analysis, it's called, to go find out who made a meme. They went to his house, his parents' house. I'm Graham Milestone with CNN. Did you make the meme that showed President Trump as a wrestler attacking Hillary Clinton? Ha <laughs> ha Yeah! How did you find me? We paid $10,000 an hour for forensic tech analysis. I'm Graham Milestone. They won't go after the black book. That's the scenario. It is not seven layer chess. The people in the black book all know each other. Because power at that level is incestuous. And this is a departure from. One of the most sacred words of God that we treat our bodies as temples. That's one. Those who throw a stumbling block up between these little ones, between the little ones and God almighty better off having a millstone thrown around their neck being tossed in the ocean. That's another lying. That's another abuse of people. That's another usury. That's another. Now that $32 million, probably billion dollars. Go back and remember this. 
the party is normalizing the sexualization of children in schools through the sex ed. The party. And these people are bleeding edge, but there are people on the left who are using the phrase MAP. Minor attracted person. It means pedophile, but they're really good because they never practice. There's a book written about that. An assistant professor wrote a book about how to be kinder to minor, minor attracted peoples. That professor is a woman who wants you to believe she is neither male nor female and is on, as I understand it, suspension from her job as an assistant professor. Please bear with this. Racism is an ill. It's a sin. It's a fail to love your neighbor. What is the party pushing? Racism. Gender dysphoria is a painful and real condition where people become confused about or they become resistant to their actual biological sex. It is terribly painful and it can lead if it's not done with counseling if people are affirmed it can lead to very dangerous irreversible terrible surgeries and hormonal treatments that drop iq points introduce all sorts of harms to people the party is pushing it something that leads to permanent pain permanent divorce from the body the party is pushing it Sex at an early age too young screws people up mentally. It makes them unable to form permanent connections, to have real platonic connections. It steals that from them. The party is pushing it. This massive pyramid scheme of sex trafficking young girls being hidden by the same media that applaud shows like Cuties. On Netflix, which is simply softcore kitty porn. I believe the devil blinds people. I believe the devil presents to people such reward that it's impossible for them to actually see. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it just goes year after year. And suddenly you are something you never thought you would be, but you can no longer smell it or see it. From the day our kids are born, we need to go right back to this body you have. You are made in the image of God. Your body is perfect as it is. You are your body Your soul and your body are a connected unit. When you die, you'll go to heaven. You'll have an exalted body. It will not get sick. It will not hurt. And this is the body right now as you learn to have a body. God so loved you that he gave this to you. No one is allowed to defile this body. We need to sit with our kids in front of this disgusting screens And point out to them to the reality of what they're actually being shown and what they're actually trying to get you to believe and how that is completely counter to the word of God and how it must hurt God to see the defilement of children now turned into a business model and a power-seeking model. And this is dependent on us. It is our job to do this. I think there's no better way sometimes to illustrate things like this than than through song. And of all the songs and all the bands you'll hear me review, one of the ones I love most deeply is an artist named Patty McAloon, who was the, he was prefab sprout. I mean, he had some friends in the band and, and, and et cetera, and they helped him with some things, but he was the producer. He was the songwriter. He was the singer. He was the arranger. He's all these things. He happens to be a very, very devout Catholic and Jesus follower happens to be someone who isn't even shy about that. He's put out a whole slew of records that you probably don't remember. Appetite is one of them. And this song is like, you know what this is? This is like the British version of the devil went down to Georgia. 
I believe Patty McAloon is the most literate of the modern day pop writers. I believe he's the most exacting of craft. Steely Dan would go through and they would re-record four bars of a song time and again. No, he didn't nail it. No, take this eight bars out and, and put it back and let's re-record it this way. And you know what? I think it was just a little slow. It would take them three years to put out albums. Patty McAloon will sometimes go five or six years before he's happy enough with an album to put it out. He no longer makes big money. He said, hey, listen, it's a good thing that my wife has a, I think she's the teacher, that she has a job for income because I don't have any. And for a while, Patty McAloon was top of the charts. But in terms of literacy, in terms of songwriting beauty and skill and building you up into, you have to listen to the story and the lyricism. And now in his older age, the moral stories. Patty McAloon puts himself at the center of his newest record. And it's called, there's a song called Best Jewel Thief in the World, where he regrets his fame. How did I get that? What did I do to deserve that? How did I get to live at that level? And what happened to it? And really, it was all just sleight of hand. But in 2013, he put out a song. And the song speaks to what we were just speaking about. And it speaks to it in a very, very Patty McAloon way. Literate. Creative. Dramatic. This is it. take on the devil than Charlie Daniels great song devil went down to Georgia but it's also a very prescient take charming articulate urbane emails we go I sure appreciate you guys going to toddherman.com and sending me emails it's a great great support to have you out there at that email just Cindy writes to the Todd Herman show hi Todd I'm not super clever or necessarily able to think of a catchy phrase to get your attention but I wanted to tell you how much I love your new podcast you were my favorite rush guest host and I was initially disappointed that you did not take over the show now we see where God was leading you I'm a pastor's wife and a human services worker in Iowa another free state and your show is the number one go-to podcast for me every day Steve Deese another Iowan is also a must listen to show just thought I'd let you know I appreciate you referencing him and his last name rhymes with race so you can correct your pronunciation Steve Dace my apologies Mr. Dace thanks for being such a God-fearing and courageous man the new format's given me more courage than you already know to stand up for my beliefs in the workplace in the church within my family thanks again my husband and I are special needs parents and try to get away alone to your neck of the woods every couple years it would be great to meet you in northern Idaho someday Thank you for the note, Cindy. God bless you and your and your and your family, special needs, and for your husband serving as a pastor. And by the way, just out here, just just as a note, we say North Idaho. So come, don't say Northern Idaho, because you're going to offend people. No, no one here really gets offended. But I I so appreciate support notes like this. Um, there's also this. You can go to toddhermanshow.com, and that's a convenient way to share the show with other people. And I love it when you do that, Steve. Hey, Todd, love the new show even more, just to let you know some seeds of truth. 
Owners may not know it, but Remington Model 700s have been shown to unintentionally fire with no trigger pull. And he sent an article on this. And I've also watched a TikTok video where someone tried to make that happen and they couldn't replicate it. Maybe they should uh, introduce Ghislaine Maxwell by mentioning she spoke at the UN nine times. For what? That's my whole point. Now, the very honorable uh, pimp to Jeffrey Epstein, who is uh, involved in a daily basis in improving the lives of young women by seeing that they are raped, but in a gentle way by Jeffrey Epstein. Now, from your prediction of John. Well, how about the prediction of John? Words also appear in Revelation 18, 23, which read in part, by your magic spell, sorcery, that, that he says, all the nations were led astray. Wow. It's almost like the Bible was inspired. That <laughs> John could see that day coming from Sammy Joe. Hi, Todd. Thank you for continuing to do a podcast. I appreciate the focus on our Lord God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You have a gift. I was re-listening to the podcast dated December 6th. This one has really resonated with me. It got me seriously thinking. This is where we played the song, Burn the Ships. This is where we played the song about now choosing that there is a binary decision. Where are you at? It, talking about uh, politically inactive Christians, people who don't know how to be political advocate Christians. And it starts with simply saying, does it build the kingdom? So back to Sammy Joe's note. Anyway, I just wanted to share the background of the For King and Country song, Burn the Ships. Luke Smallbone wrote the song because his wife was becoming addicted to some pills her doctor prescribed and she was scared. He came home from touring with her to help her and they flushed the pills down the toilet, burned the ships. I appreciate you telling the story of the burning the ships. My son and I learned about the, uh, that during history while homeschooling last year. I am also for King and Country fan. It's all tied in so nicely together for me. King and Country's rendition of Little Drummer Boy is the best I've heard. Have a blessed day. Thank you for just talking with us. I feel like we're friends. That there is an enormous compliment. Thank you, Sammy Joe. I do appreciate that. At the email address also at the ToddHermanShow.com. This comes from Marcus. Dear Todd, less God, more politics. Love you, brother. Less God, more politics. I'll say it one more time. Love you. Less God, more politics. God is politics. Now, Marcus, I wrote you a note back. Uh, brother, I love you too. Tell me something. How is God not politics? Where's the dividing line? When did God say, ignore your world? Now, I saw, I saw what Jesus said. Render to Caesar's what it is. He had no particular interest in powerful people. He didn't seek them out. Did he say, ignore your world? No, no. He laid out a whole list of things in his ministry of how we're to treat people. Well, we get to participate in a democracy as flawed and as fraudulent as it has been. And through our participation, we get to now say, hey, you know what? I'll vote for people who employ godly thinking. I'll vote for people who employ and back godly laws or go after non-godly laws. All right, so that's that's Mark, Mark, that's my view. And I wrote you a note about that. I'd love to hear back from you on this. You know, on the old show, we used to do Personal Note with a Bob Seger song. And I don't know. That's what we did. And I'm working on the music licensing, guys. I promise. Hopefully, we'll be able to go back and grab Main Street. So that when I do wrap up the podcast, the personal note, it has a nice sound that I can say on a personal note today. On a personal note today. I received a number of emails from people along a very consistent theme. And that theme is, they're thankful for the show because they feel like it is saving them. Number one, thank you. Number two, I beg you to go to God for the saving. I do. And if a radio show or a podcast is significant to you, thank you. I appreciate you and I want you to know something. You are significant to me. 
We serve the same God. I was in an event once and I got the greatest compliment that, that I've had in a very long time. I gave a speech in North Idaho and someone without my permission, a dear friend of mine, incidentally, no hard feelings. I, I was strengthened by the experience. I don't care for VIP room stuff. I've done it twice. My friend Jesse uh, arranged a VIP room thing when we were in Gig Harbor, Washington. The reason I don't like it is I don't like people paying extra money to come to an event like that. And then, and then I, I don't, well, no, that's not true because we're going to have a subscription service. I don't like being the VIP. I can't stand anything to do with fame. I can't stand VIP seating. I can't stand, hey, you get in first because we recognize you. Thank God that's been beaten out of me because I used to love that stuff so much. Man, I used to love that. Oh, I'm, I'm triple status MVP gold, so I will take one C, thank you. Now, candidly, if I fly in airplanes, which I'm not allowed to do because I won't wear the woke mask, I still want to sit in first class because I can't stand the cattle star seats, but I'll pay for it. But I'll never again regard it as, wow, look at this. I'm a... I got this compliment, but it never should have had to been said. So in this VIP room, it was a very God-driven event. The spirit was in the room and people shared from their hearts. There was a gentleman there who never got to meet Rush, but Rush set him on the right path. He is an extremely successful lawyer, an extremely successful filmmaker. He is a rock star of an intellect. And he never got to get this note to Rush to say thank you. And so he came to me as a proxy for Rush because Rush had passed. And I did offer, send me that letter. I'll make sure I will get it to Rush's personal manager and good friend for 30 years, Craig. I'll send it to Craig Kitchen. There's another gentleman there who just was heartbroken because it occurred to him, he doesn't want to sell his business, but it's in California. He can't have his kids raised there. Then we talked through this and I looked him in the eye and said, but brother, you've already made the decision. I can see that you know. And I said, yes, but the business, I said, but let me ask you, what do you want your friends, your kids to know? During this time, when this is over and it's all discovered what they did to us, what do you want your kids to know about you? He said, I want them to know I fought. And I said, so fight. And we prayed together. Ah, I was so strengthened by this. And a friend of mine, came into the room and he said, Hey, before this wraps up, I want to say one thing. First time I met Todd, he came to my house. He didn't say, Oh, Hey, I'm Todd Herman. And I fill in for Rush Limbaugh and I have a radio show. He just came into my house. Hey, I'm Todd shook hands, sat down. And we, we, we talked two or three times at my house before he ever said, Oh yeah. Before I ever asked, he said, Oh, I do a radio show. And he said, he has said to us, my, my job is no more important than anyone else's. And I've always appreciated that. It should never need to be said. I look through the emails, guys, in this first full week of doing this podcast, there are airline pilots. There are active duty military. There are cops. There are teachers. There are truck drivers. There's small business owners. There's security guard. There's a restaurant owner. There's a college student. Every single thing you do is just as important as what I do. I may talk to more people, but that's what I do. You talk to the people you talk to. Your job, if it's legal and healthy for people, is just as important as mine. So if the show is important to you, thank you. If it's too important to you, please, I beg you, I beg you to make sure that God is in the right place, that God's the one doing the saving. And by the way, if the show is still important to you and God led you to the show, why? What's the lesson? What can I say? Let me know. What does God want me to say for you? This is the Todd Herman Show. Thank you so much for sharing it with friends. Go be well, be strong, be kind, and of course, be right with God.